Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And a most wonderful day to you. This is Brad Zockel. You are listening to the Questions About Heaven podcast, the podcast where we talk about the events of heaven, the end times, and it's known as eschatology, where we talk about the God of heaven, the way to heaven through Jesus Christ, and all of these things which tell the Christian about his or her eternal home. In following Jesus, there are so many promises of joy, and of comfort. We see those things. It tells us in Psalm 25 and verse 3, no one who's hope in you will ever be put to shame. Or Romans chapter 10 and verse 11, those who believe in him will not be disappointed. Or maybe even Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. But you don't see any comfort. Isaiah 51 and verse 12, the Lord says, I am he who comforts you, but you don't see comfort here because those that would not submit to him will now be judged by him. We're looking in Revelation chapter 19 and I'll start reading in verse 11. I want to thank you for joining me as you have been following through the verse by verse walk in Revelation. We are now going into the concluding chapters and they're very cataclysmic. And uh, when we see this, the name apocalypsis, that's the word for revelation in the Koine Greek, is talking about the revealing. Now we see the true revelation. This is going to be Jesus Christ. And I thank you so much for following this. And I just want you to know I thank you for supporting our ministry in prayer and in gifts. Anything that it just, I just feel that so many people are helping out. Just a prayer of encouragement as I travel. Uh, So many times that I have traveled, there have been some close calls on the highway, and I'll come back and find out somebody said that they were praying for me at that time, and I really do appreciate that. Tomorrow morning, about 4 o'clock, I'll be taking off for Slidell, Louisiana, heading down and having a community Bible study on heaven at the Rebel Coffee Roastery in Slidell at 2.30 Louisiana time. And then leaving there, I'll be heading on over to Dayton, Texas, to speak at Pastor Mike Melligan's church, South Dayton Baptist Church. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. My second time being down there with these wonderful people at this church. And would you pray for us as we are traveling? It means so much. And then the following uh, Wednesday, I'll be back here in South Carolina at the foot of the Table Rock State Park, and there's a wonderful church there, Holly Springs Baptist Church over in Pickens, South Carolina. I'll be having a heaven study there 7 o'clock in the evening, and then the fill-out, the month of February, I will be in Fayetteville, Georgia, at Lisbon Baptist Church, and that is going to be under Pastor Brian Parrish, invites everybody to come. That's going to be a two-day Heaven is Home conference, and we're going to have some fun uh, with that. My goodness, I'm so looking forward to that. The first uh, night, it starts about 5.30, at the church, and then the next day we'll have morning and evening, and all of these include a Q&A time. And so if you'd like to come and just have a time of fellowship and also getting maybe some biblical answers to the questions you've had about heaven and eternity and the Lord, uh, we, we more than welcome 
to uh, have you there and that we might be able to share these times together. I'm so happy I, I have just been able to uh, talk with Pastor Chris Abner of Rocky Mount Bible Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and I will be going there on the second week of August and speaking in Rocky Mount. Uh, that's going to be very, very exciting. And then also, the week before, I'll be at Bethel Baptist in Alabama. I'll share those other things with you, but it looks like the summer is filling up as well. And I do enjoy being uh, with uh, the friends all through the year, just being with uh, you and talking with you. And we're just all growing together in the, the grace of the Lord as we talk about the end times. So now, as we get going here, I just want you to remember to pray as I'm continuing to talk about heaven. But right now, we're in the Revelation edition of our uh, look at the questions about heaven podcast at the different things in eternity. And so now I'm going to start reading in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. I'm going to read from the King James Version as I rotate uh, translations. I'm going to read this to you and I'm going to continue on down to the end of the chapter and then go as far as I can in this podcast and then move on to other uh, times that we'll talk some more about this and the um, going through this chapter. But we want to take uh, a look very deeply at the detail. And I saw heaven opened, says John, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed upon him, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Very grisly passage, to say the least. John is writing this as he is seeing this vision. And let's look at this. Let's go as far as we can in making a description and make a proper one as well. When we look at this passage here, we are seeing John is seeing something quite, uh, what would you say, uh, apocalyptic, uh, revealing. And that's what the word apocalypse means in this. And what is he revealing? Well, we're really seeing Jesus here for the very first time. We're seeing him as he is. When we take a look at this, we're seeing this Jesus, not just as a shepherd, not just as a, a, a miracle worker or a fantastic teacher. We're seeing him really as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it says here, the question is, who, who can stand? 
And we find this when we see the holiness of the Lord. I'm reminded when it tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 20, when we talk about the holy God, who can stand before this holy God? It's a rhetorical question. Can anybody? Well, of course they can't if they're in rebellion. But we do know this. We can stand on these things. We stand and we see the joy of the Lord and we see the power of God as we follow Jesus in faith. We find these so very, very exciting to take a look at these truths because we're not fighting the Lord. We are joining the Lord here. There's so much for us to look at here. And let's go ahead. Now, I saw heaven opened. Well, this word for opened, saying having been opened, reminds us way back in Revelation chapter 6 where we saw this same thing. We, we don't necessarily have the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments in sequential order. They may intersperse and explain. And so it looks here that this is the reference back to Revelation chapter 6. The heavens are open. And what happens in Revelation chapter 6? People, whether kings or, or laymen, just regular folks, uh, wherever they're stationed in life, they are running in terror. After all the judgments, uh, the changing of, of the sun, the darkening of the sun, and the worldwide earthquake, and all these horrible things, what scares people in the narrative is when the heavens are open and they see God on the throne. We see this here, Revelation 19, verse 11, the heavens open, and when he sees this, we see this is going to be, John had opened up heaven to enter into it to see the throne, and then we see the throne in Ezekiel chapter 1, when he sees the heavens open, and so does Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. But they saw it as the symbol of who is in charge of heaven, who is the authority of the universe. This one here is, who is now going to come out to conquer? You have an overcomer. This overcomer uh, that we saw the very first time, we saw a white horse way back in the sealed judgments in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 2. This was a deceitful one. This was not Jesus. Jesus doesn't carry a weapon as the, the rider on the white horse in Revelation 6, but God allows that rider and the other ones that we see to wreak havoc for the judgments to come. And we see this, that it, we, I'll remind you that even with Job, Job, uh, that Lucifer was allowed to, Satan was allowed to go so far. And God would say, you stop here. You also see this here. In Revelation chapter 13, you will notice this phrase, and it was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and authority to act for 42 months. That was given to him. That finishes out the verse. Given to him, given to him. So there is a limit there. And so when we see this, this one coming, as you see, originally was to uh, show the populace, here, I'm here to give the appearance of peace. And of course, you saw that that's not true. This was a false messiah, this is a false peace. This here, we see the true one, the genuine. He who sat upon this white horse, this, of course, is the lamb. When you remind yourselves back in Revelation chapter 5, where was he at that time? He was on the throne. And he was in under celebration, as verse 7 says, he took the book out of the right hand of the one who had been holding this scroll here. And when we see this, this means that this is a conquering gesture, which you see right here. Jesus is on this horse. And this one... As we see him, he is called faithful and true. 
I think about this and I share this in an earlier class. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. God's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent or change his mind, you know, be sorry for what he's done. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken? He will not make it good. Numbers 23 tells us that we are reminded of that. This name true is not just a fancy hallmark card type of a name. This means the truth. He is as opposition to John 8, 44, the father of lies who has nothing but deceit. This here is the true one. Jesus is the true one. And even in John chapter 8, the same chapter in verse 14, Jesus says, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. You do not know where I came from or where I'm going. My testimony is true. He is faithful. We see this so many times. Jesus says, uh, who, who comes to me, Matthew chapter 11, I will in no wise cast out. We can rely on that. So how does he make war? It says in righteousness, he makes war. Did Napoleon cause the wars for righteousness? No, to make himself, give himself power. Did, uh, did Hitler go into wars for righteousness sake? No, absolutely not. This is to take over the world for extreme power and prestige and such. And so when you see this here, it says this, in righteousness, he is judging, he is making war, present tense. And when you see this, he is going down and in righteousness is making this whole, uh, uh, the, uh, the whole attack, the whole section of history is not about Jesus Christ wanting to lust after power, Jesus Christ wanting to revenge. No, he is, Jesus Christ is coming in righteousness that things might be done right. He is going to judge the world, Psalm 96, judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. When we see this, we're seeing these promises here. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. The heavens are open. Why? Because you can see who God really is, rather than talking about him, rather than merely referring to him, being flippant about him. You see this. But we're also reminded here, he comes and he is in righteousness. But this is not to just instruct. This is to make war. David Guzik said, this is a Jesus we can't control. Here we see Jesus as someone who demands not only our attention, but also our submission. And as I tell you, the true believer can agree with John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Why? Because they follow me. There's a submission there. We've given everything over to Jesus Christ, and in that. And those rebel that would hold back, they will face the judgment. They will not face his protection or his love uh, here. These are always coming out, and we're talking about the judgment coming. His eyes were like a flame of fire, verse 12 says. Well, every time we see fire in the Bible, it means holy judgment. Remember that? We've talked about that many times. Sodom and Gomorrah's fire, this was holy judgment. Uh, The burning bush, holy judgment against Egypt. You'll see his eyes are a flame of fire in Revelation chapter 1 to look upon uh, everyone. Are you truly a child of mine or not? Looking in a flame of fire. When we see this, verse 14 of Revelation chapter 1, we are seeing that this one that has these eyes are looking in judgment. We've seen him look in love, but right now he's looking in judgment in this. And as I said, 
we take a look at this. First Samuel 2, 2 says, there's none holy as the Lord. First Samuel 6, 20, who can stand before the Lord? He is indeed, Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, majestic in holiness. And Psalm 111, verse 9 says, holy is his name. In the face of that, do you think we can deceive him? Do you think we can get away with sin? Absolutely not. When we see this, we're reminded of his power as well, his righteousness, but look, on his head were many crowns. Now, when we see this, the crowns here, these are diademata, diademata. Uh, This is not an earned crown. These are crowns by right. He is not taking them by, oh, I took over this nation, add another one. I took over this nation, add another one. No. And I'm also reminded this. When we go to Mark chapter 15, verse 17, they give him a crown, didn't they, on earth? Verse 17, they dressed him up in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. A crown. Now, he has a different crown, a crown of victory. And when we see this, we're reminded that we see, you have made him, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. You've made him a little while lower than the angels. That's when Jesus was on earth. But yet you have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet. We see that he has the crowns of power, the crowns of glory. He is wearing these. This is before the battle. He had a name written. What does this mean? This name has already been etched down. What is it? A name written that no one knew except himself. Now, when we think of this, this we're thinking of the names that are given to us in Revelation chapter 2, and they're only known between us and the Father. We have many mysteries on things along this line. When we see that Jesus is being given this name that we have no idea what it's like here, we're also reminded that there are still things about the Lord that have not been revealed. They're slowly going to open up like pages in a book, or just peeling back the onion skin, going to the center. When we see this, we see the powerful, powerful truth that this one has so much more than we ever knew could be revealed. Hence the name of the book, Revelation. He is about to head down to earth in what has been a self-deception of the, the enemy saying, I can beat him because this is how I know him. But then the truth is, you don't know me at all, do you? You don't know me at all. You don't know my name. You don't know my power. And then we're going to see this incredible, incredible battle taking place. I will continue it next time. Thank you so much, friends, for joining me here as we're talking about the wonder of the apocalyptic battle known as Armageddon. We're just now looking at the strength of this one who is on the throne. May we never forget It is not a place, heaven is, so much as it is a person. We're not going to just a structure or a real estate. We're going to God's home. We're going to see Jesus as he is, 1 John 3, 2, as he is, which is well beyond our imagination. Wonderful truth. Thank you so much, friends. This is Brad here as we're walking through Revelation. God bless you, and Lord willing, we'll talk soon. In order for the Heaven Tour to continue fulfilling our mission, we humbly ask for your support. 
Your generosity allows us to continue to proclaim and explain the biblical truth of heaven and to mentor many. All eligible donations are tax deductible, so please prayerfully consider an end of year gift. You can send your gift to the Heaven Tour, P.O. Box 795 Pickens, South Carolina 29671. Thank you and have a blessed Thanksgiving.